Welcome to Immersive Talks. This is Palmer Foote from Bigfoot Music and Sound hosting episodes with Jump Into the Light around the connection between immersive technologies and the human condition. I want to give a few shout outs. Firstly, to Jump Into the Light, a virtual reality arcade where anyone can experience immersive gaming, art, and the latest technology. You can find out more at jumpintothelight.nyc. Mihao and Royal from Jump help produce this podcast and find incredible guests to be interviewed. I'm a commercial and freelance music producer, and ever since experiencing a meditation garden in VR, my worldview changed. I'm interested in seeing how immersive technology influences traditional concepts of community building and idea proliferation. This episode, I get to speak with Paul Greco, director of music at Wonderman Thompson. He started off on the technical side of music as an assistant engineer for a studio primarily focused on music for ads. After learning the ropes, he transitioned into production, where he helps clients with their musical needs. His perspective and experience is broad, he's interested in VR, and we get to speak about the connections between immersive media and advertising. Please enjoy. Paul Greco, welcome to Immersive Talks. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, we're sitting here at Jump Into the Light on a Tuesday during the developer evening here. Thanks so much for coming by. No, thanks for having me. It's a very cool place. Really fun, interesting tech here. I love it. It's great. Could you give us a little bit of background on yourself and um, yeah. and where you come from? Sure. Uh, I am the um, director of music at… Um, J. Walter Thompson, actually now Wonderman Thompson. We just merged with another of our uh, sister agencies, the Wonderman Agency. So now we are Wonderman Thompson. So I, um, I'm in charge of all things uh, music and audio. Um, that's music supervision for ads, um, uh, original music production, sonic branding, radio production, all things audio. And I have a, um, I lead a group of three. We're small, but we're effective. And uh, wow. we um, we uh, deal with clients as big as uh, Rolex and mm-hmm. uh, the Marines. We actually have, uh, in one of our offices, we have um, a number of different big global clients like Johnson & Johnson and HSBC, Shell Oil. It's a, it's a global, global ad agency. So how many pieces of music will you listen to a day? Oh, um, that could range anywhere from a dozen to 200. <laughs> it's, it depends on what's on my plate and what's on our group's plate, you know, uh, each day, which How changes you, every day. Cool. How did you get into music, the music side of things? Um, right out of college, I was lucky enough to um, get a job at a recording studio, a music studio, um, that did 99% music for ads. And I was lucky enough to get a job there as an assistant uh, audio engineer mm-hmm. and worked my way up over a course of about five years to doing, you know, um, engineering for ad, for music for ads and also doing voiceovers and music po- and uh, audio post-mixing for ads. So it was all really ad-based. I've kind of just, you know, been in, in advertising even on from the technical side from the day I got into I got into this business. And then a few years in, I got um, an offer to transition from the tech side, from the engineering side, uh, to the agency side as a producer. And uh, I've been doing that 
since 1991. So it's wow. It's been a it's been a ride. <laughs> so you've seen a lot of tech and how it evolves over time, especially yeah. in the music side, which mm-hmm. I'm particularly interested in um, because I'm also involved with the commercial music side of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, from your point of view, what what did that evolution kind of look like from getting your first engineering job mm-hmm. to now when we were yeah. talking before about using a software to to kind of navigate you know music yeah when i when i got into the recording studio side of things it was um tape you know uh, recording to tape mm-hmm. was still you know analog was still the pretty much way everybody recorded um digital workstations were not were not there yet um but you know, there were uh, MIDI was really starting to become more prominent. So mm-hmm. a lot of musicians, you know, at least the keyboard players and even drummers, you know, drum programmers were coming in. MIDI was starting to really become uh, something we saw every day. And then, you know, you would have uh, different you know, different kind of, um, you know, keyboard racks that would come in and sequencers were starting to come in. The Roland 808 came in. And then you started to see more electronic music being infused into, um, you know, just the the analog side of things. So um, then, you know, over the course of time where um, most of, you know, demos were being cut live, were starting to then be done, you know, in, uh, you know, in sequencers. And then that started to change where you didn't need to bring in a band mm-hmm. so much. If you had a good drum programmer and you had a good synth programmer, you can do demos that way. And then those demos started to also be go final. So, um, and then when we first saw the first, you know, digital audio workstation come in, which the one that I saw first was something called uh, the SSL screen sound. Mm-hmm. Um, makers of the SSL console was a digital audio workstation done with a touch pen mm-hmm. on a on a on a pad, uh, and then there was a Fairlight, which sort of was the next right the next you know competitor that came out with something that was a little better, and then eventually, not soon, not long after that, Pro Tools made its uh, you know made its entrance, and then that pretty much became you know what everybody most everybody started to use and. Tape went away for, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Cost and convenience and the ability to undo. Right. You know, right. Uh, non-destructive edits are a beautiful thing. And um, then it's it's kind of been that way. Although you see now that a lot of um, a lot of people, just like vinyls coming back, there's been a lot of requests for, you know, people to record back on tape because tape right. has a different sound. It's warmer. It's, it's, it's more forgiving. Um, whereas sometimes, you know, digital can be perfect, but too perfect some, in some cases. Right. So, yeah, just like vinyls making, making, a re- making a resurgence, I think tape is slowly peaking its way back in. Right. And in, in a world like advertising, mm-hmm. music is different. You're making things that are, you know, certain amounts of time, like certain length pieces mm-hmm. and, and things that are a little bit more on cue yes. versus a band that might mm-hmm. say, hey, let's let's do a, a record on tape, you yeah. know, record it to tape or master yeah. it on tape. So in advertising, the community in advertising, when that technology was changing, did you feel like everybody was just ready for the next thing and ready to get out of that that world and into the digital world. And, and we're kind of, I find that music is one of the uh, industries that was disrupted really early on yes. by, you know, uh, 
by by computers and and taking the the a lot of the work out of the mm-hmm. person's hand more more yeah. into the software. Well, there were early, there's always the early adapters, the guys that are really technically, <clears throat> pardon me, savvy and that want want the next toy. Mm-hmm. And then there's always the ones who are resistant, you know, because they're comfortable where they are and they they've honed their craft in that space and they know what to do and it sounds just right. So they're a little bit more resistant to try something new. Um, most, I think most people, whether they did it easily or begrudgingly, they they did make the, tr- make the transition. Uh, those that resisted entirely just sort of, you know, they just sort of faded away because there was just no going back. And in the ad business, you know, changing and redoing and revisions are just a fact of life. Right. And, uh, you know, working in Pro Tools or or whatever, Logic, able to whatever it is, just allows you to just keep revising without destroying. Right. And in the ad world, that's, you know, that's a priceless commodity to have. So, because most ad people can't make up their minds, so. <laughs> right, right. Have to go to, through revision after revision, yes. and that's uh, mm-hmm. sometimes it. Sometimes it comes out really well. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it doesn't. But <laughs> yeah, but at least you tried. At least you can. Right. You can, at least you can. At least you can. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, um, we're here at Jump Into the Light in this space that that is you know really emphasizing immersive technologies, whether mm-hmm. it's extended realities, you know, sort of the AR, uh, augmented reality, VR, virtual reality. Um, what was your first experience with VR? The first experience I had with VR was I went to a um, production company that was doing um, spatial sound for uh, VR trailers. Hmm. And they had done the sound for um, Alien, the, the latest Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was Ridley Scott that did the last one. And it, they put you in that whole experience uh, within the trailer. And it was, it was kind of <laughs> cool. It was really, really cool. And uh, that was the first time I sort of understood where it could go, and visually and sonically. So I was really excited about where, you know, other, even beyond entertainment. Mm-hmm where it could go for a lot of different applications because of because of how immersive it is. Right. And what I've heard is that VR isn't an audio or it's not a visual mm-hmm. experience. It's a cognitive experience yes. where you have uh, uh, where you're producing memories mm-hmm. and you're entering a space where you can create and then when you're remembering back to that experience mm-hmm. instead of trying to recall this picture in your mind mm-hmm. or uh, you know a sound a melody that's kind of coursing through mm-hmm. uh, the song you're remembering an experience that you had that's yes. fully immersed so in that first experience did you have uh, were you able to kind of see a difference between a flatty trailer and the immersive trailer? Like, what were the main differences between the flatty trailer of Alien mm-hmm. and the immersive trailer? Or, and, I, and the immersive trailer? Well, I just think that the, the, the ability to interact with it directly, the ability to move within it and to in, sort of interact with the character in there, like, it's, it's, it's not a passive thing. It's, you're not just sitting there and watching it happen around you. You're in it, you're engaged, you're actually, um, you're actually affecting 
a lot of the things that are happening in your experience. And some the guy next to you who comes in is going to affect it differently. And they're going to get something different out of it based on the, how each one of us mm-hmm. engages in that experience. So that that to me is also one of the really, really exciting and unique things about it is that you and I could both see the same thing or go exp- go to the same exhibit, let's say. But we're going to get, we could very easily get something entirely different out of it because of how we interact with that, you know, with the, with the, with the environment inside. Right. So this yeah. idea of agency. In the ad world, have you seen many people embracing uh, XR? I haven't yet. I mean, I've, I've, been, you know, looking at certain things, um, you know, doing research online and seeing, you know, what people are capable of doing. I haven't really seen it yet. You know, uh, clients, you know, clients, brands can sometimes be a little slow to move outside of what the norm is at that time. So it's a little bit of an education process. It's getting them to understand um, the capabilities and the benefits and things like that. And I think we're getting there. I think, you know, they're starting to, uh, brands always are looking for now, especially engagement with consumers, with their potential demographic, their buyers, their fans. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, how do I engage the people that I want to engage more, more directly? So I think the potential here is especially as the technology gets better and, it, and it's more streamlined and it, it, it's less cumbersome, which it seems to be getting all the time. Right. Um, the more that that happens and the more, the more ease of which the consumer can get involved in this, the more brands are going to go for it. And I, I see that happening every few months. There's some new you know, new headset or glasses that comes out, or there's a new, you know, X, some sort of XR experience mm-hmm. that is has evolved. And I think it's only a matter of time. I really do. I think the more um, brands can see that they can create almost a personal immersive experience for their customers, potential customers, then they're going to all jump they're going to all jump on. That's the way it is in advertising. Once once there's a proven once it, once a proven commodity, then they all leave. So, one of the coolest advertising VR experiences that I had was at the AICP boot camp mm-hmm. where we were where you had uh, the Gatorade football mm-hmm. um, experiment where you sort of throw a football and it teaches you about hydration, but it also is sort of sponsoring Gatorade as the hydrator mm-hmm. and um, and it, and, it, and it gives you a workout and and apparently when it was first released, people were playing it on average like fifty eight minutes yeah. at a time. Yeah, you know, and so there's this sort of engagement and agency that you have in these in these programs and softwares that can really change the behavior of somebody yeah. who would normally Without just sort of, you know, be on, on the couch mm-hmm. playing a game yeah. versus really being, Oh, absolutely. You know, now, I mean, I can't divulge who this brand is, but uh, there's a very, very large global brand that actually has just purchased a VR company. So they're diving in and they're, 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 they're ready to do this. So, and this brand is probably a brand that you would not expect mm-hmm. um, that would take a leap, you know, into this kind of technology. You might expect them to be a bit more uh, conservative, mm-hmm. but they have done their research and they've done their due diligence and they decided this is where 
we think we want to go. Mm-hmm. So they made the plunge and they actually bought a VR company. So um, that's another that's another indication to me that this is this is a very fertile ground to go after. What other going back to the idea that mm-hmm. you know when when musicians were were discovering these new ways of making music, they were jumping right in mm-hmm. and, and and getting their hands dirty quickly. In aside from, or maybe this is the way, buying a VR company, mm-hmm. for instance, how how would we gauge engagement? How do we, well, you know, brands, you know, brands always look at return on investment. I mean, they always look at, you know, what the, um, you know, data. It's like, you know, okay, we've, we've um, you know, engaged X amount of customers in this scenario or potential customers. So how did that affect sales? How'd that affect the uh, brand awareness, mm-hmm. things like that. So that that's how they measure everything. It's like brand awareness and just out and out sales. It's very it's very important. So and brand awareness sometimes could be as you know as important than physical sales. I mean sometimes the perception of the brand is worth tons, right? Um, to a brand, so it's not it's not something that's lost on them. And uh, so where do you see the connection between sound and VR mm-hmm. at this moment with the with the things that you've seen and heard so far? I have seen in the uh, in the exhibits that I've seen so far at South by Southwest um, in, in other places, it appears that the visual side is a bit ahead of the of the audio side. Um, it feels to me like audio is is catching up mm-hmm. but it ha- it's it's not quite as immersive as the video side and i think it'll get there and i think there's companies working on that now mm-hmm. but i do i have not seen I, very many of the of the um audio experiences related to the vr xr whatever to, that live up to the video side yet uh, but I think that's that's coming. That's definitely coming. I, when I was at South by Southwest, I was actually talking to a composer who does work, who does compose for VR experiences, mm-hmm. who happens to also be a neuroscientist, if you can believe it. <laughs> and he was saying that um, the, the brain picks up audio before the eyes pick up the visual experience. So the brain recognizes the immersive experience through audio faster than it does through through visuals. Mm-hmm. So um, he was even saying that that's why the sound needs to be as, you know, as important as the, as the visual experience. For me, in my studies, it's been society really puts vi- vision on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find that in advertising? Uh, historically, that's been true. I, I think it's weighted always towards the visual mm-hmm. side of the medium. Our mantra has always been, bring us in early. Mm-hmm. You know, help us, um, you know, let us help you brainstorm. Let us help you come up with a music direction. If you've been in the process all the way through, solving that problem is a lot easier. Right. And with with uh, media that's sort of, quote-unquote, flatty, which is this sort of 2D uh, mm-hmm. type of media, working with clients is, is uh, 
perhaps a bit easier than working on a VR project, mm -hmm. I would think, because a lot of the computing is so small and you can do things on laptops and mm -hmm. things like that. Whereas, um, you know, making something in VR, here at Jump, there's, uh, you know, Tuesday nights, the developers can come in and kind of make mm -hmm. stuff, mm -hmm. uh, make projects right. uh, on their own or collaborating. And so if you were, uh, you know, in theory to make a, to work with a VR mm -hmm. designer, how is a sound person who's working in advertising, mm -hmm. would you want to approach a project like that? Well, I think same, you know, same thing. Be be in it from the beginning. And and even if things change along the way, it's better to be in it from the beginning. But I would definitely want to be, um, I assume that, you know, the roles are, you know, still, there's still a director, there's still a producer. Um, I, I would want to be in contact with them throughout the process. I think it's it would be really, really important to have that collaboration, um, understand where their head's at, because a lot of times um, we can figure out what needs to happen and what, what, you know, what that music solution needs to be just by understanding the vision of the director, you mm -hmm. know, what he, what he wanted to get out of it. Speak to the, you know, the producer who's in it from minute one as well. And the creative team, whoever, you know, whoever has, you know, conceived the entire project, um, you know, understanding what all of them want to get out of it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like anything. I always ask, like, what do you want me to feel when I watch this? What do you want me to feel? Mm -hmm. And what do you, how do you want the music to do that? Do you want the music to telegraph that? Or do you want the music to sort of misdirect you? Or just kind of stay out of the way? There, there's a lot of ways to do it, but I need to know when I watch this film or this VR pro or whatever it might be, what, I, what you want me to feel having watched it. That's how we, that's how we get where we need to go. Mm. Where where do you see, you know, maybe uh, in a few years or more mm -hmm. um, in your ideal world, where 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 can you see the, the place of sound in VR and mm -hmm. then also just VR in general when it comes to advertising? The immersiveness of, of, the, of the tech and the experiential, uh, you know, almost, you know, unlimited experiential possibilities of this. Uh, sound is gonna is gonna play a big is gonna play a very big part of it. I think musically, uh, soundscape, sound design, all of that. I think once again, I think music, sound in general is gonna help put you in that place, because if it falls short compared to what the visual experience is gonna be, it's gonna come off flat. Mm -hmm. And I think um, there's gonna be. A new segment of composers that are gonna are gonna want to sort of focus on that, and new set of sound designers who are gonna be in the spatial sound. Then that's gonna be their thing, and they're gonna specialize in that. And um, it's gonna I think it's gonna open up another lane for audio and sound and music uh, because I think composers, sound designers, are going to really be motivated by the by the experience that they're going to be creating for. I really do. And VR in general, I think I, I do think that the more brands see that they can really connect with consumers on a very personal and engaging basis. And once again, that the technology gets easier, it gets more um, affordable mm -hmm. and it's more accessible to everybody. And the headsets become lighter and, and more sleek and, and you know, uh, less bulky, which they are already. Um, right. 
it's going to it's going to open the doors for brands to want to jump in because it's not the engagement is not something you're going to get in a print ad. It's not going, you're not going to get the same effect on a TV ad. It's going to be way more uh, than that. And I think you know people people connect to brands when they really get that experiential you know immersiveness. So. Right. I think a huge potential on a lot of levels, on a lot of levels. Not um, ads are going to change because they're going to have to craft these the the communications with a lot more thought into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't. It can't just be you know shots of cereal and people eating cereal. You know, it's gonna right. it's gonna be a lot more to it than <laughs> right. That. So earlier you got to try a tilt brush downstairs, yeah. um, which is an app that you can paint in VR. Had you ever tried that before? Uh, not a paint thing. No, I have not. How, have what not. did you think of that? Uh, that was really cool. I could imagine um, some people that I know at our agency. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a cousin who's an artist who would probably— uh, you probably couldn't get them off right. that thing, <laughs> that, that it would be really, really interesting for them. It's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, so we've got a we've got a couple other music ones that hopefully we'll try out in a bit. Thank you so much for coming through. Oh, thanks for having. Me. Yeah, this that was great. It was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see the other stuff too. Cool. Yeah. Brought to you by Bigfoot Music and Sound and Jump Into the Light. If you want to reach out to Bigfoot for commercial music interests and post production needs, including podcasts, original music and sound, sound design, and much more, contact yo at bigfoote.com. If you're interested in developing your VR and AR content, contact hello at jumpintothelight.nyc.